This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land that we record on today, the Wurundjeri Willem people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging. You are listening to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman, and today we are going to be speaking about the Stanislavski system. The Stanislavski system was created and developed and changed by Konstantin Stanislavski. You may know him as the father of realism, but we probably know the true theatre history is a little bit more complicated than that. But these are some of the key elements of the Stanislavski system. Now this kind of evolved and was manipulated and changed in America to become method acting. You may know that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is really famous for that and also Dustin Hoffman for completely becoming their character. I think Jim Carrey was uh, ridiculed recently in a documentary all about how he used method acting to play uh, Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. Uh, So we know that method acting perhaps can go too far. But that's just one opinion. We're going to be here less about method acting and far more about the Stanislavski system, which I did mention did grow and change over Stanislavski's life. But hey, let's get to it. Really quickly, because this is not a history class, Konstantin Stanislavski was born in 1863 and died in 1938. He was really famous for founding the Moscow Arts Theatre, and many people call him the father of realism, because he was one of the practitioners that created the modern idea of realism. Of course, it did evolve over hundreds, thousands of years into the art form we know it today. Many creatives were part of making realism a phenomenon. Because, of course, we can thank the playwrights that made that possible. Chekhov, Ibsen, Strindberg, and many others. But let's get to Stanislavski's system. Stanislavski was looking to create realism. He wasn't interested in ridiculous melodrama or pantomimes. He wanted to create lifelike theatre on the stage that people could engage with. Theatre being a mirror to hold up to the audience. To make the audience feel something to make them care about the characters, so perhaps they could make changes in their own life to make the world a better place. There are entire books written about Stanislavski's system. An actor prepares by Konstantin Stanislavski is one you may well have heard of. We're going to talk about a few key features in Stanislavski's system. We cannot, of course, just read out the entire book. We will be talking about emotional memory, the method of physical actions, subtext, given circumstances, the magic if, objectives, the super objective, and of course the through line. Let's do it! I will just make sure I mention clearly again that Stanislavski did change his mind about his system throughout his life. In his early career and his later career, he had different beliefs about how an actor should approach a role. So I will kind of talk about both of his opinions at once. Hopefully that makes sense to you. So Stanislavski was going for realism. He wanted the actors on the stage to try to recreate real life, real people, real circumstances and situations. Uh, The joke one reviewer made was as Konstantin Stanislavski was trying to recreate realism, he sat everyone on one side of the table all facing the audience using much louder than normal voices, thus breaking the illusion it was real life at all. But let's remember he was trying his best. So emotional memory is when an actor considers an emotional memory that might be similar to the character they are playing. So 
one of the characters in the piece may well lose a loved one. And the actor playing that character doesn't know exactly what it feels like to lose a loved one, or at least doesn't know what it feels like to lose a husband or lose a father or, or lose a, a brother or a sister. With Stanislavski's system, the emotional memory is about connecting the experience that the actor has to an experience that the character has. So you haven't experienced a loss of a loved one, but perhaps you've experienced the loss of a pet. And you take that emotional memory, that feeling you had when you lost your pet, and you try to bring it into the character's lived experience. So when your character hears about something terrible that's happened to them, you connect that emotionally to an experience you've had in your life. So you can take that emotional memory, the memory of the emotion you had, and apply it to your character's context or experience within the piece. Now, after a while, Stanislavski thought that maybe emotional memory wasn't a very safe way to go about creating characters. It took a lot out of the actors, and it made them very tired, and obviously it was emotionally quite draining to keep bringing up all these memories. So he had this other idea called this method of physical actions. He didn't let go of emotional memory totally, but he didn't really expect you to live and inhabit that memory all the time, to live in that emotion, because... As I just said, that can be quite damaging for an actor and quite emotionally exhausting. The method of physical actions was about using physical actions to tap into emotions rather than the memories themselves. So rather than thinking every time about a terrible memory to help you connect to the character and emotionally emote in the scene, use a physical action to remind you of that. And that could be any physical action that the actor decides to use. So wiping away tears could be one, it could be steps, it could be the way that you use your hands, a mannerism, a gesture. Something that helps you connect to that emotion, connect to that moment, uh, without having to connect emotionally completely and as I said make yourself emotionally exhausted so that is emotional memory and the method of physical actions that was one of the things that changed in Stanislavski's system over time now we're going to talk about the subtext and the given circumstances which are two different things but they are related to breaking down the words that you are speaking so the subtext the word sub think of a submarine things that go below and text being the words you speak sub text. So what is below the text you are speaking? We all sometimes in our lives have said things that we didn't mean or said thank you in a way which really means go away or I'm not very thankful at all. The way you say things and then what you really mean was important to Stanislavski. Sometimes we say I'm fine when really we're struggling. Sometimes we say leave me alone when all we want is for someone to stay and take care of us. And remember that Konstantin Stanislavski he was working with some of the writers live in the space. He knew what the writers were trying to say and what they'd actually written. So the subtext is thinking about what your character is actually saying uh, versus the words coming out of their mouths. What is the subtext of what you are talking about? And the given circumstances is really asking you to know as much about the play and the character as you can. What do you know about your character? Some of the questions that you might ask yourself are, who am I? So what's my name, my address, who are my relatives, what do I like, and how do I find this information out? I read the script. Also, what time is it and where am I? What surrounds me? What environment am I in? Is it cold outside? Is it warm outside? Have I lived in this house my entire life? What are the given circumstances? What is the context that the character is performing within? You also might look at what other characters say about you. They might not be telling the truth, but it might give you insight into your character. What do they say when you're out of the room? And what do they say to your face? 
The given circumstances are all the circumstances that surround a character's existence within a play. By reading the play, you can find out your given circumstances, and you may also use research or dramaturgy to find out more about your character, or the world they lived in, or the time the writer wrote this play in, so you can get to understand more about your character's role within the work, which is important, and understanding your character, who they are and where they are and how they might feel. This will help you creating your character. The more you know, the more you can show. And then we turn to the magic if. This is connected to the method of physical actions and emotional memory, but it lets you go on an imaginative exploration rather than having to do a deep dive into the emotional. The magic if asks this simple question. What if this was happening to me? What if I was this character in this circumstance? What would I do? If I was in this situation, would I yell and scream? Would I beg and plead? Would I be calm and quiet? And understanding your given circumstances is going to help you know how your character might act. So you personally, as a 20th century, 21st century person, may well scream and shout in this situation. But if you have to mind your manners because your boss is in the room, well, you're going to make a very different choice. So the magic if comes to you thinking as an actor, what would I do if I was in this situation? And that gives you an opportunity to connect to the character, to make it real for the audience, because you're imagining what if, what if this was me? Next, we're talking about the objective and the super objective. Now, these are connected. An objective is something that you want. Usually an objective is something that you want within a scene. Your objective is what you want. The obstacle is the thing that's in your way. So how are you going to get your objective? Deciding what your character wants is really important in the scene because this is, yes, realism, but it's also, you know, life on steroids. It's exaggerated. These are often key moments in people's lives when emotions are high. People want things and they go about getting them in interesting ways. So understanding your objective is really quite important in realism. Your super objective is what you want across the entire play. What does your character really want in general? Yes, specifically in this scene, they want to leave the room so they can go to the toilet. But generally, over the whole play, they might have a super objective that they wish to uh, find love, get married, and leave the house. That could be something they desperately want. Or perhaps they want generally to amass wealth or to get the new job. Who knows what it is for them? A super objective is what they want across the whole play, and objectives you can talk about within beats or within scenes as well. The last thing we'll talk about is the through line. Understanding your through line as a character. Understanding the peaks and valleys of your character's journey across the entire play. Stanislavski's system wanted you to understand these things. Stanislavski wanted you to know that characters go on journeys. They change, they evolve, or not. They have objectives they wish to reach and get them or don't. Things succeed for them or things don't go so well for them. Understanding your through line and your journey as an actor is really important. So every time you're at rehearsal, you can look at what happens to your character and where you are on your journey. The through line of your character, the journey of the piece, your role within the play as a whole. If you can think about some of these things as an actor, Stanislavski will be really happy with you. Can you connect to something that happened to your character to something in your own life? Could you use a gesture or a physical action to bring that memory up for you physically rather than having to be exhausted emotionally? Can you read the scenes, work out what your character wants and understand that sometimes what they say isn't what they mean? That's the subtext. Can you analyze the play and really work out your given circumstances so you can inhabit the world of your play? 
Can you think about the magic if? What if this was happening to me? Can you consider your objective? What does my character want in this scene? My super objective. What does my character want for themselves in life? And then the through line. What happens to my character before the play starts? And then at the beginning, the middle, end, and perhaps beyond the play as well. If you'd like to have a go at home at some Stanislavski Technique activities, I suggest you check out dramaclassesbiz slash the Stanislavski system, which will be linked in the description of this episode. That might be fun for you to do today. If you're interested in Stanislavski or the writers he worked with, you can check out our episodes on Ibsen vs. Chekhov, and as well as Realism, one of our very first episodes of The Aside, recorded with the amazing Ellie Arez. That is all from us at The Aside. We have a load of episodes in the bank, so if you're interested, you can go through those and find one that piques your interest. There's over 250 episodes, and we have something like a 1,000 people tune in each week to this podcast, so thank you very much to our weekly, monthly, and occasional listeners. You can, of course, email us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. We answer a number of emails each week, and we're very happy to help. Also, a side note, we have a number of episodes coming up in Mandarin to help any international or English as an alternate language students engage with drama. If you would like to suggest a topic for one of those episodes, we'd love to hear from you. That is asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening.